Yo, yo, yo. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome to the LTK Show. My name is Luther Kangas, and on the show today, my co-host Eric Onkstead is with us. We've also got a couple of guests to start the show today. Um, Brian Collins and Greg Eric, friends of ours from high school, they started a Bloody Mary mix recently. That's really good, and we hear their story. Um, They've launched within the last couple of months product is out there they've got some exciting things going and you guys should give it a shot uh, but we just we wanted to hear their story and give them a little plug today so uh yeah and then after that first 15 we talk to them and then we get into a little bit of sports talk we talk i wanted to talk about college football and what i think is wrong with college football and then we also talk about golden go for hockey this year they're also a great start eight no uh, they got a good squad this year much better energy and uh, yeah, we want to touch on that today. So that is the show. We want to thank our sponsor, the JP4 Foundation. Appreciate you. Much love. And yeah. All right, folks, let's get into this, baby. LTK show with two dads, premium buddy Merrimax. Let's lead this thing off and hear their story. Thanks for listening, guys. Why don't you go ahead, man? All right. On the show today, we've got a couple of people who we know pretty well. They're friends of ours from growing up. Uh, They both live here in the North Metro area, and they started a new business. We're talking to some entrepreneurs who made up a Bloody Mary mix called Two Dads. We're going to ask them a little bit about how they got into Bloody Marys, because that's unique, we think. How they actually took it to market, and the process in between, and kind of things they hit on the way. So I think first... Greg, we'll ask you, and BC, feel free to chime in. Where did the love for Bloody Marys come? Because I know you guys have been doing it for a long time and enjoying it. Where did it come from, and how did you finally feel like you had to take it to market? Well, I'll start off. So I, I actually hated tomato juice growing up. I don't like tomato. You know, and I, I ketchup, sauce, all that stuff is fine. But I hate fresh tomatoes. I still hate them. And uh, I never did like tomato juice. So... I never tried a Bloody Mary until I was maybe 25 or so, and maybe 23, whatever, of age, I'll put it that way. Uh And (laughs) I was in a bar in Wisconsin, I remember. I don't remember who I was with, but I finally was like, all right, fine, I'll try it. And, you know, I think they just did a can of V8 and a vodka or whatever, pretty cheap, uh, bloody, basic one. And I was like, that's not that bad. I can handle that. You know, put a little hot sauce in it. And I maybe had another one. And I'm like, all right, they're okay. And then I just started working into it from there, and I really got to a point where I loved them. And I started noticing differences, and, you know, everybody makes them a little different. Some people have different uh, mixes that they they make themselves. They buy it off the shelf, whatever it might be. Um, and they all vary so much. And then I would have them really everywhere I've ever traveled. I, I would always make sure I'd get a Bloody Mary to see what it's all about, how it differs from the ones I like. And then it was... It kind of became a love over time, so I would say, yeah, really a 15-year process of figuring out what I like in a Bloody Mary. Excellent. Brian, how, how did your affinity come to be? Very, very similar to Greg's. You know, I think, you know, Eric, you and I go all the way back to college, back to our days when we were whooping it up, and I think as you get older, um, especially for me, um, I like to get to bed at a decent time you know, around 9 or 10 p.m. at the latest. And so, you know, as I got older and uh, my, my drinking palate matured, you know, I, I started having a, uh, I started like 
you know, enjoying day drinking a little bit more when it comes to like the cabin, boat, boat life and, um, you know, hanging out on weekends with friends and family. And, you know, there's only so many good options for a nice brunch cocktail. Um, you know, so as I got into like the thirties and mimosas, I mean, they just give me a nasty, nasty heartburn. So, you know, I tried, tried a Bloody Mary. I'm, I think I might've been a little bit later than Greg, even, you know, maybe early thirties. Um, and I think it was right here in, in White Bear Lake at the 617. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, it just it was a nice hearty beverage that kind of stuck with me through the day. And I just, you know, I, I just just quickly started loving them. That's awesome. And I know I've been with you guys on fishing trips or kind of in out, other activities we've done that were outdoors. And you would make them, and they were really, really good. The one thing I found interesting, and I talked to you about this, Brian, I've had now a couple bottles. What's so unique about this to me is that it literally stands on its own. I've never had a Bloody Mary mix that worked like that. There used to be, well, this much Clamato, but but then you got to throw some of this in, maybe dump pickle juice. This really does stand on its own. So when you guys actually came to the idea of what you wanted it to taste like, I know that you had to go work with a distillery and talk about that process and how hard was it to feel like you could sign off on it and how long did that take? I can jump in. So, yeah, in terms of the, the mix, you know, it, it took a, a time to figure out exactly what we wanted. And so we had to buy from the store the different ingredients that we had into the what we like to make. And so it started with that process. And, you know, we've made Bloody Marys at cabins and fishing trips, like you said. And we kind of have the same process throughout. But you never actually measure it. So we took a lot of time <laughs> to get through it and say, all right, what does two dashes actually equal? And then you got to figure out what is two dashes into an eight ounce and then into a 32 and then 64. A lot of math. <laughs> you know, it's trying to figure out how to how to turn a dash into an ounce to whatever it was. So it was backtracking, kind of figuring out how you make it and then going into it and saying, all right, now let's add a little more of this. Let's do a little more of that. So we got the perfect mix down and then from what we could buy from the store. And then, the, then we started the whole process over with trying to get somebody to deconstruct it and make it at a co-packer. Uh, that does it for us. Now, that process is a whole other animal, but uh, I'll keep talking here and then let Brian go. But it's uh, we had 18 revisions, um, and it was a lot of... Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Bottles were sent to us, and then we'd taste them. We'd say, let's try this or let's try that, and then it would come back. And then, you know, so it was a lot of back and forth, and that took... Um, uh, really the official idea came in may of 2020 that we were actually going to do this thing and then we're here at december of 2020 and our first shipment came what three weeks ago brian or so yeah yeah so to greg's point you know we you know we made our own version that we really loved and you know we're measuring it in ounces and um you know table teaspoons and so from that, we send the recipe onto the, the co-packer and they're measuring it in, you know, um, ounces and, you know, the totally different, trying to break it down into the nitty gritty of what the recipe actually is. And so they sent us, you know, the first five or six were almost even undrinkable. And, you know, Greg and I, <laughs> I, I especially were, was starting to get a little bit frustrated with the process. And, you know, we were wondering if these people even taste it. Like, um, and, and then, you know, we, as we got towards like the 14th and 15th iteration, I was starting to get more and more excited, you know, and Greg, I think really held his, 
axe to the grindstone, whereas I was almost ready to sign off on a, a recipe and Greg took it a couple more couple more down the line until we got the actual perfect perfect batch. So I think it was a pretty pretty fun process and where two partners can kind of, you know, um, challenge each other and come to an even better product. Yeah, cool. one of the, uh, how Brian defined the, the taste of those first five samples was uh, compost. Or wet, car yeah. <laughs> wet cardboard. Yeah. I think was wet card. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually, we actually, we actually called the co-packer and we got on a conference call and I was like, I don't know how to explain it, but it tastes like compost or like wet cardboard. <laughs> like how can, how can you guys, how can you guys build off of that? Like, um, and like, I, these guys were, yeah, these guys are very professional and they do very serious business at the co-packer. But like you know, they get frustrated with a couple of little little guys like us who are dreaming big. So it was it was fun, and it's fun to see Greg stick it stick it to these guys a little bit and make sure that they're keep, keeping our brand integrity intact. It's fun. That's what's interesting is because as you were saying that, I was literally going to ask you: Did some part of you want to get this rush to market to where you maybe were ready to sign off, like you said on the fifteenth, and you kind of talked about that? Because I know I'd probably take the seventh. Right when it tasted less cardboardy, I'd sign off. <laughs> but then I wouldn't have the product that you have, and it wouldn't be moving. Let's talk a little bit about that, the stores you're in, your website, and really just how this has kind of taken off. Because I was just at Elevated that carries your booze, and I talked to the guy from a position of he didn't know that I knew you. I had asked for it, and before, in unsolicited, he told me, this stuff's flying off the shelves. These two guys are actually from around here. And uh, I was—I just thought it was cool knowing what you guys have gone through. So talk a little bit about the stores you're in, the website, uh, and anything else you want to plug or talk about that's interesting to move this product. Yeah, um, let me start off again. But we so we got it, whatever it was, three weeks ago. And in terms of you know getting it shipped, I actually left town for a couple of weeks. So Brian really kicked it off, and he was selling it for the first two weeks. Then he left, and then I sold it for the last week, and now we're finally both at it. So we're we're starting to Who grow it. Who sold more? Hitting it. Uh, who has sold more? Yeah. Who? I don't know. Have we tallied it, Brian? We could look. I think we're. I don't know. We don't want to. We don't want to keep track. <laughs> it's a tag team effort, and I wouldn't want to hurt Greg's feelings. <laughs> <laughs> now we we are in probably. I mean, another three, four, five or so today. So probably thirty locations by now, Brian. Does that sound right? Yeah, that sounds right. That's fantastic. And, and you talk about selling cases. How many is in a case? Dumb question, but I just don't know. It's uh, 12. 12. Yeah, 12 32-ounce okay. bottles. How do you get them in stores? It's old-fashioned sa old salesmanship. You know, so okay. we, you know, we just walk in, and we're kind of learning as we go as well. And this is kind of Greg's forte, but, you know, I, I developed a, a selling sheet that kind of gave some product characteristics, pricing, um, but that was something I even had to learn as I was going and getting questions asked of me by these small business owners. Um, but we just walk in and we bring a sample bottle and let let them taste it and give them our, our spiel. And it's really easy to talk about since, you know, it's it's our baby and we're, we love it so much. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so the small business owners, most of them are willing to, totally willing to give us a shot. And it's been really fun to see the competitiveness between these small business owners because we're, we're yeah. in good things. We're in good things, and good things told Greg that they're going to kick Elevated's ass in sales. Um, <laughs> and then we're in all, all the MGMs from Roseville up through Chisago. 
Um, and the, the owner of the three MGMs in Hugo, Forest Lake, and Chisago has just been super supportive and got Greg in there for a sampling on Saturday. And Greg sold four cases in two hours. And it's just been been outstanding how much support we're getting from these local businesses being a local you know small business ourselves yeah that's awesome man so all right it's two dads premium bloody mary mix two dads.com is the website two dash dads.com um how'd you guys come up with the name <laughs> i took a you know what it what it came down to was we so we you know we figured out the mix we wanted and then we're like all right, we're actually doing this, and what are we? And we're like, all right, I don't know. We're just a couple of dads who love Bloody Marys, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's what it is. And and so we've at first we're like, are we? Let's call it a couple of dads. That was my idea. And Brian's like, nobody's gonna say couple of dads. And I'm like, but that's what we are, you know. <laughs> and so it was some back and forth on that, and then it was just finally two dads because we're two dads that like Bloody Marys. I think the oh. name stands out. Honestly, oh. it stands on its own, and it's very memorable. So I think you guys killed it there. Thanks. Absolutely. Yeah, you guys getting good feedback, like from taste testers, friends, and businesses, I guess, too? I would say, I'm going to jump in here, if you don't mind, Greg, but, yeah. like, I was so, I was paranoid, because who has family and friends that are going to tell you that your product sucks, exactly. right? Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Right. so, like, you're, you spend all your time as you're establishing the product having your friends and family taste it, right? And so now that we've been in market, and we're having strangers taste it, and we're having business owners, you know, choose to take us on. I mean, that's given me so much confidence. Just seeing how much people are embracing the, the flavor, the texture, um, the price point, you know, everything about it. The brand is, you know, as you said, Eric, the name. Um, yeah, it's just been so so fun, and just instilling so much confidence. And I think you can you can gauge a genuine reaction, especially at a tasting, the one I did in Forest Lake, where, you know, we probably had a hundred some people that we talked to and maybe 80 tried it or whatever it was. And, and I didn't hear anybody that didn't like it. And, and, and then reaction is like, Oh, that's good. Or, or dude, that's really good. You know? And it's like encouraging to hear that. Cause you're like, yeah, it is really good. I like that. <laughs> so right. that, that's what we've been getting for. I haven't really had any negative feedback from anybody so far, surprisingly. Yeah. That's exciting. That's, that's awesome. What's uh like, what's next on the docket? Where are you guys at with it right now? Well, we're you know still trying to get grow the market. So I mean, the nice thing is just about everywhere we're going, we're getting into. It's a matter of going there though, and, and getting because it's just Brian and I really promoting it. So we're potentially working on other avenues of people working with us to promote it out there and get it out. Okay. And then um, you know, and and we're only hitting liquor stores right now for the most part. I, I actually got two grocery stores today, so that's kind of a new angle. Um, working small retail like specialty grocery stores and uh and then also in addition to that is restaurants when they open back up i've i've talked to a number yeah. of them and brian actually sold one yes yeah. nice. yeah so we got it we we got into free Gerds in monomedi so we're super excited for that partnership they're going to be pouring us uh, as their bloody mary mix and so that's that's super exciting that's kind of one avenue that i'm really in, interested in getting more involved in is on premise yeah, that's awesome, man. All right, so what's the easiest way to get this stuff? You go online, obviously. You guys shipping it to people, or what? How's that work? Yeah, so yeah, we're shipping it to people. Um, I would say you know the easiest way, if you're local, especially, is to go to two dads dot com and check the find two dads tab 
Um, and I've, I've been updating that page to include all of our retailers. You know, I typically update it every Friday, so I keep that pretty current. Um, so check it out and support our local retailers. Get out there and check it out. Get some of this India. Give it to your friends. Give it to your family, baby. Support two dads. We yeah. love it. Yeah, man. I'm excited to give it a shot. I haven't tasted it yet, but I got to I gotta get in there. So, yeah, boys. Appreciate you being on. We're going to plug in the intro, too, so we'll give a little more background about you know what this is. But I think you guys drilled it by talking about it. We, for sure, are supporters. We're going to continue to support you and let as many people know as we can. And then maybe someday when you're really rich, you, you can uh, plug our show and we can become have a yeah. business partnership. Come back on and promote us, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fellas. We're going to stay on and keep rapping. So thanks for being on. We appreciate you. Yep. Yeah, fellas. Yeah, thanks, guys. See ya. You heard them, folks. Couple of dads there. Good people. We've known them for a long time. These are good guys. Uh, good local community members, and they've been moving product, and we're just happy as hell for them. So we hope they keep it going, and anything we can do to help, we're going to. Yeah, man, I'm excited for them. That's, like, that's awesome. They're in just, like, the the stage right now where, you know, they're laying the foundation, and things are starting to pop, and that's good stuff. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, well, what else we got on them. the docket today, then, Lou? Well, we can... We can chat. You know, I got some things that kind of are bothering me. And at the top of the list is the old college football playoff. Not COVID-19. <laughs> box. Got me in a box. Yeah, let's talk uh, about college Yeah, playoff. that is. That's all right, fine. If we want to get real. Um, but, yeah, no, just co- college football just in general, I guess. You know, it's been a few years now where I've, I've just been, like, frustrated with, I guess, not the not the quality or whatever. It's just the way that it's run. This top four team, it's just really isolated the probably three to six programs in the country that really have a legit chance of winning the national championship. And that's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. All right, those are your big three every year. And then you sprinkle in LSU, Oregon, A&M, maybe USC, Texas, if they're, they can figure out Oklahoma every year. But then that's it, and yeah. then it's, and then it's your second tier of Big Ten and Power Five teams, you know, and then a decent amount of Group Five, and then just the rest. So you're playing for the national championship with six teams, and then thirty teams have a chance to make like a quality bowl, and then it's just the rest. So, and it's just a like we talked about it before the show. It's just a movie that I've seen five times now, four times, whatever it is, and I don't. Like, I'm not intrigued to watch. It's yeah. just, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I don't know, you know, where other people stand with it, if they're in the same boat or a similar boat. But, like, I'm just not interested in, like, that movie because I know how it's going to come out. It's going to be Alabama and Clemson, potentially Ohio State, and then maybe another team who. And then I think the, the other thing, too, that gets me is the group five teams just literally don't have a chance. Right. They just don't. You know, I mean, what are they supposed to do? Like, are they supposed to schedule Texas and USC every year? But, you know, then again, they're rolling the dice five years in advance trying to schedule, okay, where's Texas going to be or where's, you know, is this even going to be a valuable win by the time they play them? Yeah. So they're just so hamstrung. It's just like, 
why is the group of five in this conversation at all? Like, because they're not. Like, why are right. they in this division even? Right. So, You're not wrong, man. My So my neighbor, he he's a avid college football fan. He's specifically a Michigan Wolverines fan to the point where he'll fall down and touch himself over the Michigan Wolverines. But what's uh-huh. what I think that I found, because I, I have been a waning college football fan for probably the last 10 years. I still like it, but I don't plan my Saturdays around it anymore. And I think you touched on a lot of the reasons. There's I if, if you look at every single year, there's 10 teams that get 90% of the five-star guys. There just are. Yep. And then there's another five that get like eight of the other 10%. So there's so much disparity from the get-go with the recruiting. And I think now, that I don't know if it's chicken or the egg. I don't know if it if it's because of what you said, and there's only these many teams that are going to make it, and all these blue-chip kids want to give themselves a chance to play on that platform. Or if it's these schools get the players so that they're always the ones that are good. But either way, it's broke. And I don't know if this if fixing the system is, and I don't want to step on you here, but I mean, what are you thinking? Do you change the playoff format? Well, I, I just, I personally would like to see um, an eight team playoff with the eighth seed or just make sure that one group five team gets in and gets a chance. All right. So now you're, now you're spreading the wealth a little bit. And that team is probably going to get routed, which is fine. But hopefully over time, you know, maybe like, a, I don't know, a Central Florida or a Boise State now becomes that destination school that has a chance to play with the big boys. You right. know, similar to what basketball has done with uh, Gonzaga in the last 20 years. Now Gonzaga is a, a top program because they have a chance. Um, but these, like these group fives, man, they just, they just don't have a chance. So it's like, what, I just don't understand what they can do to get in. And they really can't right now. Right. So, but then the argument becomes, or the thing that's tough about that. And I don't disagree with you at all. I think that eight's probably the next best way to give those teams a chance, but then also to just say, well, we need to have one in every year. And I don't, again, I don't disagree with your sentiment. But to say a group five teams needs to get in every year, then all of a sudden there's a year where like Texas is the eighth best team, but they don't get to get in because a group five team gets in. Then you've got the same argument going on. And then you're at the point where you can't really expand it anymore because of just the sheer length of time that it takes to run these. It's not basketball where you can knock out two days in a row or, or you know, every other day. It's you a three-week process. Yes, you need a legit week off. You just do for, for kids' bodies to come back. So it, it's an interesting concept, and I, I think that, and I don't. I, again, we, you and I have talked about this. This is one where we can just kind of bitch about it, but we don't necessarily know how to fix it. But yeah, we, I, don't, we still I don't know. know there's a problem. Uh, yeah, I don't know who has the solution, what the best solution is, but it's just, like I said, man, I keep coming back to it's just I know what's going to happen. Like I, I know, down to the whatever, to the third fourth team who's going to make it like i know these three are going to make it and then it's going to be another team and then it's just the rest of the bowl games so it, it doesn't have that cinderella feel that basketball does and that's why basketball is freaking awesome it's because right or even hockey though like every once in a while you'll see like a canisius or something well holy cross in. beating the gophers that was right. a pretty freaking big deal you know right. i mean nc state back in the day in basketball like that's like a story to me that like is just awesome right that it's just not 
really going to happen in football. And, I, and like I said, man, I don't know if it, if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not. You know, maybe I'm I'm wrong. But it just I don't just think you that, are wrong at all. I, I just I'm not. At the end of the day, it sucks because I'm not really that interested right, right. now. You know, I I'm saw a Gopher Street. football fan, right? And I know they don't have a chance. I mean, if they run the table, they but then they got to beat Ohio State, and Ohio State's just they're in a different league, right? Well, they're backups. I mean, the thing is with the Gophers and like Iowa, and and I don't even. I guess you can sort of put them in the same tier. They have to make gold out of silver, and what I mean by that is they need to yeah. bring in threes and four stars, and probably draft yep. or probably probably take guys more for character and then hope that these guys put on 40 pounds in the next couple of years and become stronger and just learn the game better. And that's fine. But like the teams that have backups that are better than who you're rolling out to start, that's not all right. And I watched Herb Street talk about this this weekend and he was like irritated. And his comments were something like, I can tell you who's going to be in the college football playoffs next year. I can tell you three of the teams are going to be in it in four years. Because and he's like, this isn't good for and, yes. our game. Yeah, it's not good for the game. And I think more and more people like you or even me are starting to lose interest because of that. Because like you said, you've seen the rerun. And I think the older that people get to, the more that you want to see something different. Just yeah. because watching the same old things, boring as hell. Yeah, every three, four years, like spice it up, man. Like let's let's get some change in here. And because, yeah, I, I you know, there's, a, there's so much money in it right now. So they don't want to change anything. Right. But... Um, yeah, I, th- I think that they need to. And it'll be interesting to see in the next year or two if conversations like this, because I did actually see on ESPN.com one of the headlines after the, the 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 ranking show came out was like, college football, why it's hurting the game, the CFP, the 14 playoff. Right. So it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of years what kind of changes are made. But all we I can said, do is sit back and at the end of the day know that if they start making less money than they do now, they're going to figure out how to fix it. And I hope that people think like us. And because what that will ultimately do is detract from the brand and they'll lose viewership, they'll lose commu- uh, commercial sponsorship. And then at the end of the day, it's a business like anything else. And they're going to figure out why their revenue is going down, not up. And then maybe yeah. they address that. So it's all we can do is hope and uh, bitch a little bit about it, right? Yeah, I think I think the majority of the country would, you know, is in the same boat of like I want a Cinderella. Right. You know, I would guess that seventy percent are probably in in the same boat as us. But um, speaking of Cinderellas, I don't want to take your, anything from you. No, nah, man, go if, for it. Let's if roll. you had We're one, this is off the cuff. So if you don't have one, that's fine. But like, there's one specifically that sticks out to me, and I'll kind of talk about it first, so you get a chance to remember it. But it was NCAA basketball tournament. And we must have been. Uh, somewhere between 12 and 17 years old. But the Southern Illinois Salukis made an unprecedented run. I think they were like, I don't know if they were a 13 seed or something, but they got to, again, Elite Eight, maybe, I, I don't think Final Four. But I remember being so, I mean, to this day, I remember that. And I couldn't tell you a lot of years who won the championship, but I remember the Salukis. And I remember the whole country became so enamored with them that they started talking about what is a Saluki? What's the mascot? But just yeah, I remember point, the hat. excitement. Yeah. Salukis. The dog running. Yep. Looked like a greyhound. But do you have one that you remember specifically? And it could be any sport where everyone just got on this, you know, this team that maybe was going to be Cinderella and just got behind it and 
Well, I remember, exciting. I guess one of my first, and I don't know when this happened. It might have been 96-ish, 7-ish. Um, the Valpo, Bryce Drew, making that shot to win it. Yep. Um, they went on a little bit of a run. I can't remember what seed they were. Uh, but I guess just the, like the overarching theme for me is like the miracle, right? 1980 miracle on right, ice. Right. 83 NC State winning it, like just going on this unbelievable run. That's like probably my favorite ESPN documentary. It's just so freaking cool, yeah. that story. Dude, that like, was Jimmy V, right? Yeah, Jimmy V. Like they. They had to win the ACC tournament, which had North Carolina, Virginia with Ralph Sampson. Um, they had one other nasty team in there, too. Probably um, Duke. Yeah, I can't remember if Duke was a program by then. But regardless, um, they just yeah, dude, they went on this un- unbelievable run. Um, I'm trying to remember any other any other Cindy's, any Rinder Sellas. Lopper? But, who? Cindy Lopper? moving along moving along time after time (laughs) if you're lost but yeah well i mean the holy cross loss with the golfs that was that was a tough pill to swallow how about those golfers this year though huh yeah dude like honestly i haven't seen that much um of them play but i am so like all right i'm gonna backstory this maybe like seven years eight years okay i grew up a gopher hockey fan for the first 30 years of my life um and then roughly when i was about 30 i got turned off by them because they're playing in the national tournament all right it was the first round against duluth and i specifically remember one of their players taylor camarada or whatever his name was offensive like stud he was skilled whatever he was good but he was also lazy on the defensive end so there was a loose puck in the corner in the Gophers' defensive end, Bulldogs off Ozone. Camerata had a, you know, a two-foot angle on this Duluth player, and they go for a loose puck in the corner. Duluth player beats him, bodies him, outworks him, gets it to the point. Shot from the point, tip, deflection, screen, whatever it was, goal. And I'm just like, that's the effort that you're giving in the national tournament in a win or go home situation. And like, once I saw that and then, you know, he wasn't benched or I didn't see him like get, you know, chewed or anything on the bench. I'm just like, why am I investing my time into that? Like, I I don't want to, I'm not going to support that type of effort in a situation where it's win or go home. And it's funny from there. It just, it just kind of slowly dwindled. Like I still am a fan, but now that Matsko is on board, I'm starting to get more excited. Right, because he's blue collar. And it's funny that you brought up Duluth because Sandlin, whenever he came in, like early 2000s, he brought with him instantly a blue collar mentality. And he's even talked about recruiting dudes off the Iron Range just because that's more entwined. He knows the character. He knows what it is. And it's funny because you brought that up about Matsko. And I didn't, I've been watching a lot of the games this year. In fact, I think they've had eight, and I've watched at least six. And I'm so damn impressed with them. But that's half of what I'm impressed with because the Gophers have rarely lacked skill. But I think there was a while there under Lucia uh, where – and I, I you can't take anything away from Lucia. The guy won – you know, he, he was successful. Yeah, they won early. They had but success early. They, they lost their grit. And I think Matsko, if, if there's anything that dude cares about, 
it's not the outcome, but it's the effort. And to your point, it's easier to invest your time in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's exciting right now because they're right at the, the point where, what is it? I think it's his third year. Does that sound right? That sounds right. Yep. Coaching. So like yep. it's, they're literally like, I was hearing, hearing him get interviewed at the end of last year. Like they were starting to peak and starting to find their stride and like coming together as a squad. And I think they had beat maybe Notre Dame, but then COVID hit and they were like excited to, you know, see where, where the season would lead them. But you can just tell that they're all starting to buy into the new, like the culture ship, the culture shift has happened in the last six, eight months or whatever it is. And they're starting to get back to just blue collar. And that's something that I'm going to support. So yeah, I'm you go into the to corner with them now and it's UMD. They're going to knock your dick in the dirt. 10 right. years ago, they were going to maybe try to toe drag you. Uh-huh. And now they got that blue collar grit. But when you're skilled like they are and you got some big forwards, man, that effort is resounding. And what's great to watch about them is like they don't have specifically one line where you're just so unbelievably impressed. But then as soon as that line's off, you're like, oh, we got to get them back out. Like they're right. rolling out legit three or four and they're yeah. all good. And it's yeah, just I heard, constant. I heard Moscow on uh, KFAN the other day and he said, yeah, like they, they roll four and they're comfortable stacking any of those four against basically anybody that they play, which is right. awesome as a coach. Like that's freaking sweet to have that luxury. Um, but back to an, the original point here um, of like go for hockey 10 years ago versus now 10 years ago, I think a lot of those guys weren't really concerned if they won a national championship. They just wanted to make the NHL like, okay, I'm going to go to the Gophers cause they're going to get me ready. I'm going to get exposure TV time, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm going to move on to the NHL. These guys now, so I heard Jack LaFontaine, their goalie. Yeah. He um, he started out at Michigan as an 18-year-old, okay? At Michigan, when he got there, he admitted, he's like, okay, I just want to make the NHL. Like, that's why I'm going, that's why I'm at Michigan. I just want to get to the next level, and that's all I'm thinking about. How can I improve my game to get to the next level? So, I think he was there for two seasons, struggled, um, had to go back to junior and then got recruited by Minnesota. So now he's at Minnesota, but he said what he learned from that whole experience was like college is freaking like awesome. And I want to win a national championship. Like my goal right now is to be with these guys, let this year play out and just invest fully in this season and try and win a national title. And I ain't worried about the NHL. I ain't worried about, you know, all this stuff in the future, I'm here with it now. And I think that was the mentality 10-ish years ago of Gopher Hockey was like, Yeah, we want to win get, with the Gophers. The other let's thing, Let's just Lou, get to the show. They're not old, yeah. like, or they're older now. Because Minnesota had almost like an arrogance about them with Lucia, where it's like, we're going to put all these 19-year-olds out there. we get the Kessels, the Vanix, because we need them. Like, you know, but we're going to get them for a year or two. Like, we got 20-year-old freshmen, and you know the difference as well as anybody does your man muscle is a real thing and you start to get it in your early twenties more than you had it certainly in your teens. Yeah. And so I think that's a piece of it too. And then also just being completely willing to go out of the state because Minnesota does have a lot of really, really, really good hockey players. But the reality is, is they've got a lot of really, really good college hockey teams too. 
Right. So in if the you last think you're just gonna, years, yes, if you're going to feast on Minnesota guys, it's like that's fine. But guess what? There's guys who want to go to Duluth now. The There's guys who want to play for St. Cloud. The destination is no longer just Minnesota. Exactly. You know, like for a minute there, it was Mankato. Now it's Duluth. For a little while, it was St. Cloud was the hot school. Yep. So it's it's kind of bouncing back and forth, and it's going to be interesting to see in the next couple of years if Minnesota becomes more of where they were 20 years ago. But um, it, it's I don't know, man. It's it's a it's an interesting dynamic, and I'm I'm excited to to start tuning in in the second half. Are you a World Junior guy? Oh, it's the best. I love it. I love Dude, Olympics and World Juniors so much. It's gonna start out or it's starting up like right about now. Um, I think the U.S. plays their first round at like the 26th against okay. Austria with that uh, Marco Rossi guy. Yes. The, Yep. The Wild Stud. So I, I got to watch that game. NHL is going to air all of them. So. I'm ready for it. I love watching that tournament. And that, what's great about that tournament is it, it comes at you so quickly. You start to kind of know the teams a little bit. But it's just like it's those are legit players. And those kids all take that very seriously because oh, yeah. a lot of these countries expect their kids to not only go out and compete well, but like if you're Canada, anything less than the gold – Right. Is a failure, but that's yep. fun because I want to see somebody knock them off. Uh huh. And especially yeah, the USA, the old red, white, and blue. I know. I'm I'm pumped. I don't know a ton about uh, the U.S. squad this year, but um, yeah, I'm just excited to watch. We gotta we have to get together and watch. Yeah. Watch a game or two. We'll get her done. Yeah. Well, that's about all I got, man. That's you a got Christmas else? week episode. No, I think that's the right. That's the right amount of time. We're going to be coming at you next week. So this drops on Thursday the 24th. Is that right? Yes. The following Thursday, we've got one again with Dan Hochalter. And do you want to plug it a little bit and talk about what uh, may happen there? Well, <laughs> so he's going to play some fiddle for us. He's going to take some requests. And then we're hoping to get his wife, Crystal, who's a pretty dang good singer herself to join in and maybe perform a song or two. That would be awesome, dude. Yeah, stay tuned for that, though. One way or another, whatever happens, it'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. Hoax is, Hoax is an awesome awesome dude, awesome guest. And Indeed. Get some fiddle from him. It'll be a good time. Absolutely. Take us home. All right, brother. Well, that's all we got today, man. I mean, I think we covered some decent ground. Absolutely. It was great. Hey, that it was, it was awesome. Uh, good, good get by those guys. Those guys got an exciting thing going right now. It's a neat Find story. Find two and, dads yeah. at twodads.com. Check it out. I got to, yeah, man, I got to taste that stuff. It's good stuff, man. Get after it. Um, babe. All right, folks, that's the show for today. Hey, appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. And, hey, thanks for the two dads for stopping by and sharing, uh, sharing their story and what they got going, hopefully, you listeners can give that a shout or give that a try now. Um, hey, we'll see you again soon. All right, let's uh, let's keep this party going. Until next time, learn, try, know, and achieve. Um, babe. <laughs>